0: SMC Podcast,
1: everyone, welcome back to another episode of the SMC Podcast. This is episode number three. My name is Jim Bradley. I pastor one of the churches here in the Southern Michigan Conference, and today we've got another one of our pastors from the Southern Michigan Conference, Cheryl Coulter, with us. Good, I don't know if I should say morning. It depends what time everybody's listening to this. <laughs> well, Good. hello, James. Yes. <laughs> Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it might be for you. Uh, Cheryl is our lead pastor out at Journey of Faith Community, which is uh, meets in a Lincoln School campus, I think... Uh, Well, we've had a few churches that meet in in schools, Mm -hmm. but uh, you guys, you got to bring in all the stuff, set it up and all that. So before we get to just kind of how that's going and giving us an image of how it all works, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of uh, what started this all? What jumped you into doing this? Give us kind of the background, what God was doing.
0: Well, initially, for me personally, I knew I was going to be facing retirement for nursing. And so I was praying to God saying, so what else do you want me to get into in my final years? That's <laughs>
1: not how retirement works, Cheryl. No,
0: <laughs> that's true. Well, through praying and um, ca- talking to conference personnel like Michael, uh, they expressed a desire to begin more new churches, church planting, and asked if I would be interested in starting a new one. So I prayed about that, and the Lincoln School District area came to my mind just out of the blue, of course, that's how God works, but also the fact that the name for the church, Journey of Faith Community, came to me, and so that was confirmation that I'm going to go do the work. So I began talking with Michael and began doing all the training for that and reading and prepping for it. Um, Nervous. I've never done a new work like that. I have served as a senior pastor in several of the churches in the conference, so I'm very well aware of that, but when you start a new work, you're starting at ground zero. Yeah. You don't have a sound person available. You do not have a worship leader available. You don't have any of that. You have to learn to do all of that yourself to begin. And so it's been a real learning curve. Um, I felt like I was going back for a a doctorate degree for the amount of reading I've done in preparing for this church planting. But at the same time, since we've been doing it for almost two years now, I am feeling very confident that, and affirmed by God through prayers and a lot of other evidence that this is the right direction to go. I'm also excited in joining the movement and the conference of developing new churches all across the conference. So it's good to be a part of a team like that.
1: Nice. Yeah, and you guys were... We've kind of had a influx in planning churches, and you guys have really kind of been at uh, the head of that along with a few other ones. You mm-hmm. were kind of in the start with uh, really showing the rest of the conference, this is important, we got to get back into this. So mm-hmm. uh, not only have you made a difference in your area, but I think you've kind of shown the whole conference just visually, yeah. we, we got to keep this in the forefront of our minds. Um, so you jumped in, and uh, I've seen you guys use mm-hmm. a few... Different sources to fill in those areas. I think, uh, like Ben Kono, you had come Mm -hmm. out, lead worship. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys now have been going for how long?
0: Two years now. Two years. Well, we first year was planting and behind mm-hmm. the scenes work. We officially launched the first groups last October. So we had a year celebration of their first groups. We start with groups. And then in April this past year, we started our worship celebration, which is a traditional what you would call church service on a Sunday. We started that in April, so we've been going since.
1: Gotcha. Uh, so <clears throat> once you started April is when you moved into the building? Or? No,
0: we were already occupying the building in our okay. groups. So it's the same place our groups were meeting. Mm-hmm. I've been working and coordinating with the school to be able to find places to meet. Mm-hmm. And they've been so good at supporting this ministry. Absolutely fantastic. in giving us the room to do this and the time and custodial support. It's been wonderful to work with them. They're excited because they said anytime we can have a church come in and do something in our community that's positive, we are all for that. We want our community to grow and become better. So you're a part of that, and we appreciate that.
1: And do you guys still do groups, or is it taking on a different... Yes, we
0: still do groups. That's the core part of our life. We have two groups, Tuesday night and Fridays, and we have our celebration services are where all the groups just gather together and celebrate what God's been doing amongst us. So the core of the church really is the group life. That's where we're going to engage with God, with one another, and with the world through prayer, studying the Bible, caring for one another, and each group identifies what they'd like to do for the community and then invites the other groups together to do this so we're a multifaceted approach that way in the group life that's the core
1: okay so that's uh yeah a lot a lot of the cool things' been watching with just all the church plants we're doing mm-hmm. is everyone's taken on kind of a different form so mm-hmm. there's dinner churches there's different variants as to how to do dinner churches there's uh, these group models there's uh all different kinds of things that are are going on. Do you guys have then like a Sunday gathering still, or is it just all the focus is specifically in the groups?
0: The core work of the church is in the group life where people make connections and relationships together and grow in the word together. On the um, Sunday celebration that we were had was once a month. And the reason why we did once a month is because we're trying to move away from that being the core time of teaching. The learning and teaching is in the groups. The once-a-month celebration truly is just a celebration of what God is doing. And there's testimonials, change times. I preach very interactive, so I'm asking questions, and people are engaging in the services at that time. So, But we are moving now toward um, changing it to Monday nights twice a month because we had such a good showing on Sunday mornings we decided we want to be able to connect with disconnected people and weekends are hard for people to go to church that haven't been to church in a long time and when you do church on Sunday they come in with this mindset it's a traditional we're not traditional we sit around tables we have food we eat a meal together we talk together we share together so keeping with that flavor of our church we are going to be moving to Monday nights twice a month for a celebration service. Again, that's where all the groups will meet together. So what we want to do is to be able to have each group identify themselves as individual groups, but know they're a part of a bigger picture. And together, we're the community.
1: Gotcha. So the focus of those Monday nights, then, is that... uh would you say it's primarily outreach for people or the primarily of coming together groups or is it kind of both Are the focus? It will
0: be both. The coming together the groups will be able to reflect what's happening in the group life to those that see that Monday night an opportunity as a front door, as an opportunity. I don't like to get started in a group, but I can get started in a service. So they'll walk into a service with a larger amount of people, lots of singing, that sort of thing going on with ch- typical church services. But then they will notice that the relationships in the groups are where it's at. So they'll want to join that. Gotcha. Mm -hmm.
1: As a church that does groups, I'm interested to hear uh, all kinds of things about this. When I started at uh, our church, it was two churches at the time coming together to become one. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the churches was like house home groups. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of a collection of home groups that had a big focus on that we brought it together and now we had a building again, people's minds automatically went back to like, we come together in a church building, you know, it just kind of reverted to Sunday morning and, and, uh, became a little difficult because we wanted to keep that aspect of home groups going. Right. Uh, but it became very difficult to, to run that alongside of the Sunday morning thing. So, and I find today in general, just people are very busy. Uh, they don't have a lot of time for extra stuff. Uh, yes small groups throughout the years have been done really well and also really badly. Mm -hmm. And it seems like most Mm -hmm. people I run into have bad memories of small Mm -hmm. groups and they don't Mm want to do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a church that like your primary core is to be groups, uh, you know, what are some of the struggles you've run into? And then like, how do you guys make it work? Because I, in general, every church would love I think every pastor would love to get people into small groups of some sort Um, it just doesn't always seem like people will bite at it so how do you make it happen i guess
0: well we started off um, it was a given that is we meet in the senior center so friday mornings the seniors had an opportunity gave us an hour time to do bible study it's the first time in 32 years they ever allowed a bible study in that center And so God opened that door for us, so we started the Bible study with the seniors. And then we decided we wanted to do a mixed group, adults. We did Tuesday nights. That seemed to be the least busy nights in light of the school calendar and other church calendars, so we picked Tuesday nights. And that's where we have adults of all ages and uh, mixed genders in that night. And we used the same exact study, the story. Uh, to go through a basic understanding of what the whole Bible is about. And we have did that over this last year with both groups. So when we come together on our celebration service on Sunday mornings, I would formulate a sermon that would pull together what we've been studying in the story that Sunday and bring it in together more relationally and um, interactive. So when the groups came together on Sunday morning, they knew what I was talking about could interact with me during the sermon. Which was wonderful for the people who were new to see. Wow, people are really engaging, and they like that.
1: So that so finding the least busy night, meeting yes. in a place where people are already yes present yes and. Uh, Having the same study so everyone was on the same page.
0: That's how we started off, and we're going to continue kind of that model. Um, But we're going to be very sensitive to how each group formulates within themselves. Some groups will want to do a different kind of study. Some may want to do a uh, 12-step study. In whatever way that is they choose to do with a pastoral oversight, we will diversify as needed. And then I know what the groups are going to be studying because I'll be approving the curriculum. I'll formulate the Sunday service or the worship service, what we call celebration services, to enhance that. Hmm. So they're getting the same messages multiple ways.
1: So uh, you just mentioned pastoral oversight. Is every group led by a pastor, or are they lay led, or? Okay,
0: no. At this point in time, because of we're small, we have a team of three. Hmm. I'm a lead pastor. Kristen Woodworth is a second in lead, and Deb uh, Deb Ross is our hostess leader. Um, we each group is to have a host and a Bible leader, uh, what we call a curriculum guide. We don't want to call it teacher because people get intimidated by saying I don't have enough Bible knowledge to lead a group. Yes, you do. We provide the curriculum, we provide the support, you can do that. So our model is two people leading a group together. One's caring for the care of the group and the other one is sharing the biblical study. So right now we have both pastoral and lay led groups together. In the meantime, as our groups are solidifying as a group identity, we're going to be able to raise people out of that to, the, again, begin new groups with new leaders and new hosts.
1: Gotcha. And what are some of the ways that you guys are aiming to uh, – we just had a, a big conference meeting talking about building new leaders, equipping mm-hmm. new leaders to take over. Um, do you guys – I know you're still kind of in the mix working towards that, but do you have ideas mm-hmm. in place that, like, maybe we could borrow from as to how you'll grow those new leaders and expect <laughs> to pop them in i know we're all learning it yes. right now
0: <laughs> well be, the wonderful beautiful thing about church planning and starting at ground zero it is really based on relationships hmm. so the relational aspect of this building people up in their spiritual journey and then giving them permission to take leadership at different levels to allow them to discover they can. And when you see that they're ready, offer them that opportunity. That's how we're going to do it. It may take a little longer, but that's how we'll do it. We'll provide training. I provide hostess training. I provide teacher training. And we also provide oversight. Because one of the things that I found in leading regular traditional churches, many people get into a position of leadership, and then they don't have any of accountability or oversight, and they burn out. Yeah. And it's not our desire to have anybody step up into responsibility and get burnt out. So we're going to continue to encourage them and provide support to them.
1: Gotcha. Um, I mentioned a few struggles, you know, our own church went through and trying to get uh, groups up and running. Um, what, what have been maybe some of the difficulties you guys have run into that you have to constantly learn from and and grow, or has everything just gone perfect? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs>
0: it's a journey of faith. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Faith it's is in not in the annoying. name. That's <laughs> right, it's in the name. Well, um, I would have to say the very first thing is for the leaders, mm. Kristen and I, having to learn the basics of sound technology, running a soundboard, speakers for our celebration services. We usually do um, uh, media shout with uh, videos. And um, I've also invited outside worship leaders like Ben Kono to come in and do live music. I'm hoping on Monday nights I'll have the opportunity to have more worship leaders help me because they're all busy on Sundays. So maybe Monday nights they come and do live music. So and using the uh, computer programs to for follow up for and learning to navigate Facebook for ha- advertising. The whole marketing aspect is a lot of learning in that. So that first year is a whole lot of error and trial and error and and finding what's going to click for us most of the programs that are out there are for already established large groups we're small and fledgling we don't have much money at all and we're very small so we're growing into that Um, this year the second year of actually launching the groups that's easy i love teaching we love teaching we love caring for people and so that is uh, energizing for us to do The hard part, we always, we don't have a building, so we have to trust on the favor of the school to allow us to meet, so I have a contract with them, so that helps secure at least a year at a time a room and space, and if I have to make changes, we communicate ahead of time to do that, and it helps me with managing the whole group, okay? Those are kind of the iffy. The other part is finances. It's totally dependent on those who are attending. And so we always offer an opportunity for people to give during groups as well as during the celebration service and online giving. It's not top-notch, but I will tell you, I am still operating in the black. I'm good. Yep. We're good until we start growing more.
1: Good. Um, so I used to work in a uh, a mobile church mm-hmm. in which we had two trailers full mm-hmm. of... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Stuff to set up every week, and mm-hmm. here's the problem that we ran into is I think for the four to five years I worked there, the same five to six people set it up mm-hmm. every Sunday for what is that 250 weeks straight? Uh, and uh, you know, it was easy to burn out, it was, it was like a lot of setup, a lot of takedown, um, and that's. In my head, I'm always like, God, don't you ever call me back to Mobile Church. <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't that find a the volunteer ratio for it. Yeah, and I'm like, glad
0: you had a five and six. I only have three.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what? Uh, do you run on the same thing that I did? Is it the same three people? Yes. Yeah, okay.
0: But I also what's really thankful is um, I have a l- large amount of our people stay after the service help clean up the okay. potluck because we have potluck after the service mm. after uh, preaching,
1: gotcha.
0: and the potluck is a part of the worship experience. So they stay and help us clean up. But the setup, yes, mm-hmm. it's all of us.
1: People will stay a little later, but they're not uh,
0: <laughs> co- willing. They're to not coming
1: early. early. Yeah, no.
0: But uh, we've kept it small enough. Yeah. A projector, speaker, soundboard, overhead. Mm. That's it.
1: I was going to say, in the video I saw of your church, it looked like uh, a lot of what you needed was kind of present in the building already. Yes. So that makes it easy. It's not quite as monumental to find three, you know, a ton of people to set up. Right. Um, But should you have found the solution, I just wanted to hear it. Uh, (laughs) I know when we dived into dinner church, I was like, we're going to run into the same problem. Yeah. We need at least 20-something volunteers every week. Yes. And so, like, ahead of time, we had to, like, create a schedule. And that's worked well. Yeah. But it's also evening. I'm not asking people to get up at six in the morning right. and set up two trailers. Right. So I just want to know if you solved every church's issue on that yet or not. Well, I would <laughs> say
0: because we were a small beginning, we didn't have money to buy a trailer. Yeah. So somebody from Milan donated a trailer for us. Oh, nice. So we've had some really good blessings from outside people. And we really appreciate that very much to allow us to have these things.
1: Uh, I just want to make sure everybody heard that. Mylan Church is giving out free stuff <laughs> to anyone who is in need of anything <laughs> for their churches. I don't
0: to go that far. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mylan, for
1: everything you're doing ahead of time. Um, okay, so jumping into this uh, project, you guys had an idea in mind. Um, when I was trying to do groups, I was using uh, some curriculum from uh, Tangible Kingdom. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, They have books called And, or there's Tangible Kingdom. Uh, Brandon Hatmaker later put out uh, Barefoot Primer. Anyways, it was all focused on getting groups out there to work. Um, And I found uh, it works really well for them, but in Urban Jackson, it didn't quite catch on the same way. And uh, much of the groups were supposed to be like missionally focused. You Mm -hmm. get out there and you're constantly doing projects and things like that. And I realized, you know, this curriculum comes out of Austin, Texas, which is like the nonprofit capital of the world, Mm -hmm. which means like if you live there, you probably naturally are already thinking like missionally, I got to help people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas in urban Jackson, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's lots of people who think that way, but it may not be like the core identity of the city, to say Mm -hmm. the least. So uh, that being said... um, I eventually learned, like, rather than just copy someone else's plan, Mm -hmm. I got to almost adapt to figure out how we're going to fit into our own identity as a unique church in a unique city and things like that. Um, When you guys took on this plan, did you have curriculum ahead of time? Did you write it yourself, or uh, did you adapt from somewhere else?
0: Well, what we've decided and what we've learned is our whole church is about reaching disconnected people disconnected from the church meaning maybe they once grew up in the church and they've been so busy and now maybe they want to return disconnected because maybe they've been hurt by the church and kind of not sure about this god thing or even the fact that they've never been in a church before they don't even know what kind of God this is that we're worshiping, any of that. So we want to keep that in mind. So when we choose curriculum, we want to be able to look at the wording that is used, uh, moving away from a lot of those big uh, existential church names and words for like justification and salvation and all that. I I don't even know who that is. I credit that because I'm from the other side before Christ. I'm a late bloomer, so I was on the other side of Christ. And so I kind of know a little bit that kind of background. Hmm. So it's easier for me to walk in, whereas my partner, Kristen, she is all about church words. So the two of us have had learned to work that together. And we use the story as a means of understanding the Bible as a whole, to be able to present that this is one whole story. And we had to make adaptations. We did not use the video itself. We wrote a lot of the lessons and based on what was presented, and then we wrote our own questions to help them engage because even that in that curriculum was a little over the heads and very church-like, so we had to adapt it. So we've done that and then now we're going to move to six week and eight week studies and we're really thoroughly looking through these kind of studies and the first one the parables is uh, john piper's and um living god's way um living a life with god and so we're going back to the basics Mm. and that's what we're finding and i like what you said earlier In Jackson, there's a whole lot of needs in Jackson. When somebody has a lot of needs in their personal life or they have a lot of traumas, they are unable to really be missional at the time. Um, It's good for them to get out to do things for other people, but for the most part, when they initially come into a community, they're hurting, they're wounded, they need to be encouraged. So our whole focus is to draw souls in to be encouraged to engage with God, whatever that means for them. They, have, they don't even know who he is to they know everything about him but want to know more. We're very fluid in that and very flexible in that. It doesn't matter what church background you've had. We've had Jehovah Witness and Catholic and Baptist come in and share their experiences. Great, that's great. But what we're emphasizing is that relational, incarnational, transformational, and missional aspect of the Word of God. And engaging with God, engaging with another, and engaging with the world. So even as we do outreach projects to serve other people, we're going to do it through the biblical worldview. We are a community that discovers, grows, and shares our faith in Jesus Christ. Discovering meaning, we can start anywhere on the the pendulum whether we don't know God, or we're not sure who he is, or we know him very well, but wanna know him more. We grow, meaning there's intentionality in learning more about who he is, how he operates in our lives and in the world. And shares, meaning we're gonna be intentional to share with our neighbor, our coworker, to be a light in the dark. We're gonna do outreaches. We're gonna do all this together. That's the kind of community we'd like to create. And we believe that we can create that kind of community in the Lincoln area, because in that area, when we did demographic studies, We found it to be a very diverse population across races, genders, economics, so diverse it's really hard to identify one particular people group. But the one thing we found out in our studies is everyone in that area says they have some sort of spirituality, but the numbers of church commitment or attendance, very low. So that means there's a need. There is an open space there to have spiritual dialogue and help them to reconnect with the biblical worldview of who God is. And that's what we're about, to get in there, be with them, love on them, and show them how God really is incarnational. So we do that through groups, is our core life, and they could be any size. Right now they're ranging anywhere from 10 to 15 each time we meet and we hope to have more groups than that. Sometimes we'll meet in a a school, sometimes we like to meet in someone's home. Whatever venue opens up, we'll be there. Uh, There's potential next year, um, one of my uh, leaders, Kristen, is gonna be moving into a uh, housing um, park and we're going to use the community center for a base there. So we're excited at the opportunities because we don't have to worry about building. Yes, it's kind of hard to tramps the trailer in and get everything set up, but groups, we don't have to do set up. We just get people, right? On our celebration services, it's a front door, on wrap as you want to call it, for people just to walk in and experience the joy we have of being a community, growing with us in that way, and discovering that you'll learn even more in groups and be connected that way. It's a community that cares. And the third leg of our ministry is outreach. Uh, Currently, we're partnering with Lazarus Mentoring, which is another ministry that I've started myself for the human trafficking survivor, where we mentor these young women who come out of that horrible situation and mentor them through spiritual counseling, uh, guidance, mentoring, that they would learn to grow as women has, as God has created them to be. So Journey of Faith is reaching out into that arena as well.
1: Gotcha. I see that Lazarus uh, was up for a nomination of some sorts.
0: Lazarus mentoring has been nominated for the liberator award in Michigan and Ohio. It's a high honor and it says that we are doing good work and uh, with the human trafficking survivor, very valuable service. In fact, there is no other ministry that actually uh, provides a mentoring relationship with a human trafficking survivor outside of established Uh, shelters or homes. So we're fluid that way. I can go anywhere and do that. So I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, one of the things I I also want to talk about, I think this is really cool. At your church, you have you, as well as Kristen and Debbie, three female pastors leading the church. And uh, the whole world has just kind of like, over the last few years, recognized just people in leadership, it's not very diverse, you know? It's mostly, like, white men for the most part, which includes myself. <laughs> um, so uh, I think uh, there's been a good recognition by uh, recognition by the world, like, what are we doing? We need to be more diverse in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Free Methodist Church for, you know, decades has, has been about women in ministry and leadership, and uh, we've even kind of stepped back, uh, at least as a conference, and said, You know what? It's a lot of white men leading our churches. We really need to be more intentional about uh, uh, bringing in uh, people of different races, people of different gender, and uh, ages, and ages, (laughs) and uh, really uh, diversify our leadership. If we believe this, let's be about it. You know, Mm -hmm. let's let's prove it. And and your church has three women pastors. And Mm -hmm. you were telling me a little bit earlier that, uh, you know, people therefore think like it might be like a women's church or a women's Mm -hmm. small group, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not. It's Mm -hmm. an intentional movement of women pastors leading this church. So uh, I like to take a few minutes and just talk about women in ministry because one of the difficulties I think is like when you're a conference of a lot of white male pastors Suddenly, it's white male pastors talking about diversity, <laughs> and it's not giving the space for, for women or people of other races to be able to chime in, tell their own story, mm-hmm. talk about the difficulty of it, or uh, what God's doing. So, um, first off, let's, let's just talk about, uh, talk about your church. What, what have you run into being uh, three female pastors running it?
0: <laughs> well, just to clarify again, I'm an ordained pastor. Uh, Kristen is not yet ordained, but in the process. And Debbie is a lay leader. But we're all in a pastoral role because we're taking care of souls and we are teaching and leading. So it's kind of nice for all of us to work on, it, on a nice, even level that way. We've created that kind of team in that way. Um, as far as ministry, I would have to say, again, because we have women... My husband comes, so he's part of the male part, and he's recruiting more men to come, and we would love to have a diversity in our group as well, more so. And so it's kind of we're on the opposite range now. But we're being intentional about that. We want diversity in all levels. That reflects the community, and that's coming. I know that. I don't have a problem with that. I celebrate diversity. For one thing, I'm always on the outside. So I know what it's like to be on the outside for people who are not connected to the church. I said, I get you. I know it. I'm comfortable with it. So let's do this together. So we create a safe space for that. Uh, For me, I'm excited, first of all, being a senior female, uh, that God has given me this vision at such a late age. And I was reminded that he asked Moses to lead the (laughs) Israelites at 80. So it's like, okay, good thing you didn't wait till 80, Lord. That's what I said. (laughs) The gender issue for me is um, I don't keep it in the forefront. I am just so so uh, completely consumed with calling that um, it's about that. So I would love to be able to help my brothers come alongside and and break open uh, more diversity. And so one way to do that is to answer the call for church planting and just do it and just be who I am. That's all. That's who I am. And the way I read things is different, the way I do things is different, but it's what God's called me to do and I need to be faithful to that period. And so I'm encouraging other people to do the same. And other women who are answering the call I said that's what your responsibility no matter what. You just answer that call. God will provide and he does. Awesome.
1: Mhm. Uh, so now, and this isn't the first church that you've pastored. You've you've been a senior pastor before this moment. Mm-hmm. Um have you run into difficulties uh, just being a woman in ministry in that capacity in the past?
0: Oh, sure. I really have. And and the biggest difficulty is um, I can't change who I am. this is the package. (laughs) I can put a suit on. I'm still a woman, right? Mm. So I can't change who I am. I can't change the way I come across on things. I'm a former ER nurse and I'm about taking care of crises, getting the business done. I have that energy. And the traditional model of a male in the pulpit is so much different. So when even just my presence comes into the room, it's shocking to a lot of people. So my congregations over the years have had to learn to be okay with that. Some have, and if they haven't, they left. That's the way it is. And I didn't see that as a statement on my ministry. I just feel bad for them that they couldn't accept what God might be doing in my life and be a part of something new and exciting and energizing. So that's the way I've kind of learn to see it all all the challenges i've had all the disappointments i've had it's still about i'm thankful that god has called me to be a part of his work in calling souls toward him and i'm just so pleased for that yeah and for those souls that are open and willing they'll walk along with me the ones who can't get past prejudice i'm sorry hmm. that's your choice hmm. i leave it there
1: yeah Um, I was just at a conference on race recently in Detroit. You know, people of other races, uh, especially uh, a lot of black people came on the... I heard it from several people saying, like, uh, they've got their hair up and, like, Mm -hmm. that's not the way that they would want to do their hair. They'd rather have, like, a Mm -hmm. fro or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know. Um, But they don't feel like they'll be taken seriously at their job or that they wouldn't be able to get a job Mm -hmm. uh, if they didn't try to forcibly adapt, you know, their appearance in order to fit into, Mm -hmm. um, have you ever felt, uh, being a woman in, uh, leadership in the church Mm -hmm. that there's been like forcible adaptations you felt like you've Mm -hmm. had to make just to blend in? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just, I think it's good for us to hear like what we're putting on women in leadership because a lot of times it's subconscious. We don't even, right. you notice it, Yes, but the rest of us may not.
0: Yeah. So. Part of it is, as a, as a pastor coming into a new environment, you're entering in a new family system. So you need to identify what their worldview is. Mm. And unfortunately, as a female, their worldview is not as accepting of me in that role. So it, it, you have to build bridges. So you have to pick and choose your battles. Mm. That's the deal. So, yes, I've had complaints about what I wear. Um, The other things is the way I lead. I like to lead with assertiveness and they're not used to having a female be assertive as I am because that's part of my ER background. Mm -hmm. So that's portrayed as being aggressive. When if I was a male and I was being assertive they'd say wow that person's really got their act together and they know what they're doing we're going to follow them. So those are things that are very difficult to kind of manage and work through but I found my best thing is try to build personal relationships with people and try to help them understand where I'm coming from, my intent, what my plans are, and really work it. I've had to work twice as hard to do that, to get them to come on board so we can work together. And for me, it's not, I just can't walk into an environment and say, hey, everybody, we're on board. This is a vision and mission, let's go. I have to take a lot of relational time first before I can even get somebody to follow me. Mm. So doing the new church plant, where it's just starting from square one, that's what I'm doing still. (laughs) I figured I've had a lot of experience. I'll just meet new people then. Instead of trying to change people's minds, I want to be able to meet the new, unconnected people. And they seem to be more open to diversity, because they themselves are outcast. Mm. They understand what it's like not fitting in. I can resonate with that. So we have a little kind of like a bond that goes on with that. So I'm really working that.
1: Yeah. Well, we really appreciate uh, all of your effort in that. I know for some, like, I've heard of churches just chasing out their pastors Mm -hmm. because they're women and they just can't get over it. And that's in churches that believe that women should be in ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that uh, there's a lot there that uh, you go through that a lot of us male white pastors Mm would not recognize, uh, or, uh, sad to say, maybe sometimes wouldn't even like believe if we were told. Mm -hmm. Um, so just on behalf of myself, I really (laughs) appreciate your heart and, uh, uh, how you've helped us all grow in that as well.
0: If anything, I hope my whole journey through the Southern Michigan conference, which has been my, my dearest and bestest part of my heart. (laughs) I've never left it no matter what has gone on and the difficulties I've had. I've always believed that the Southern Michigan Conference is a great place to be because of the possibility and the the opportunities for ministry in diversity across the Southern Michigan area. I've just been sad that we've not seen that, but what's good as I see a movement And we're starting to see that we need to open our eyes to see that there's celebrate diversity and have our leadership reflect what's in our communities and help people grow. Give them permission to do it. That's pretty much what needs to be done. Give them permission to take it. And maybe they're not perfect the first time out the door, but encourage them to keep going because that's what God is doing. Let it happen. Encourage them. So I'm glad I've been a part of that. And if I can positively affect the conference this way, I love all my brothers, and I've loved the conference, and I'm hoping that even the other clergy women would understand. Never give up on your call. Do what God has asked you to do, regardless of the obstacles. Mm. It's hard. It's not easy. But it's worth it. Yeah,
1: That's great. That's a great word for all of us. this podcast, of course, is run by the Southern Michigan Conference, but we recognize that lots of people may be listening outside of our conference mm-hmm. and may have different views on what the Bible says on women in leadership. Uh, just as recommendations, uh, B.T. Roberts, who founded uh, the Free Methodist uh, denomination, has a book called "Ordaining Women." You can check out for more reviews on that. Uh, and I've seen a uh, Free Methodist article on uh, our Life and Life Life and Light magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, They recommended a book from Craig S. Keener, which is, uh, I think, Paul, Women and Wives, Mm -hmm. which I read. It's a great book. So Mm -hmm. if you're interested more as to why we think the way we think, these are ones that you can check out. Um, Before we wrap up, I just want to, you know, you mentioned you guys are operating in the black, but of course, you know, it takes a lot of financial leaps or... Uh, adjustments to me mm-hmm. able to make things work when you're running something different than a Sunday morning church, because people just aren't thinking mm-hmm. of uh, giving in the same capacity that they have for the prior centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that being said, if people want to support you in whatever way, how would they go about that?
0: Well, the best way is to do online giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I would have to say none of us are getting paid. So all the monies go toward directly to ministry. So our major financial need is paying for rental space. We pay for the services, celebration service. We pay for the group rental space. And then we order curriculum. The beautiful thing about me re- being retired is a portion of my income goes to that as well. So that's been keeping us afloat as well. But for people to help us, you can go to our website.
1: And that's jofcommunity.com. Yes. Dot com. yes. Yep.
0: And um, get, do online giving. That would be very helpful.
1: Yeah. So check that out for yourselves. Obviously, the pastor should not be paying for the church to exist. Uh, Plus, remember, she retired and then got into ministry. (laughs) We don't know what she was thinking, but God does.
0: So, yes. There's no limit on when God can call you. <laughs> that's
1: right. And if you don't, you know, well, never mind. We <laughs> so check out JF jofcommunity.com. Uh, you can uh, give there, uh, support, I'm sure, of course, through prayer and mm-hmm. by any other means. You guys still need like worship leaders? Oh, we would love
0: to have people who are musically inclined to lead live (laughs) worship. We would love to have that. Um, I I lost my voice a few years ago, so I can't carry a tune. It's not very good, but my people, we turn the speakers up loud, so that's good. Fair enough. Um, Worship leaders, also, it would be nice if we'd have people who would love to lead Bible groups for us and we'd find a place and we'd start another group because there's no boundaries to do that. Mm. We'd love that as well. Prayer is most important. Um, encouragement is another thing. Keep us encouraged. The work is hard, but there are bright spots in it.
1: Gotcha. And you guys are out in Lincoln is technically so.
0: South of Ypsilanti. Okay. Yes. It's 25 miles from, uh, Monroe, Ann Arbor. Ann
1: Arbor-ish, Ipsy ish It's south of Ipsy. (laughs) Okay. South of
0: 94 corridor.
1: (laughs) So those of you who are out that way. Yes. Cheryl's expecting a call from you.
0: Yes, or not necessarily a call. <laughs> Come and visit.
1: Yeah, or visit. Yeah, that's great.
0: Oh, we also have a Facebook. Yeah. Yes, see us on Facebook. That's where we post all the happenings going on with the celebration service and the groups. So you, it'll keep you informed.
1: Awesome. Yep. Well, this is the third episode of the SMC podcast, and I'm excited because in this episode, it's our first chance to actually dive into what one of our churches is doing and hear the story I think there's a lot here for us to learn from you, uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of takeaways. So thank you, thank you so much for coming in, and talking with us today. Thank you, John. Uh, and you can all get the word out. Just share this on your Facebook page, social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Uh, just uh, you can find it on Spotify as well as uh, iTunes. Well, it's coming to iTunes very shortly. Um, holidays are delaying that, <laughs> uh, but Spotify, Google Play and soon on iTunes, and uh, you can also just catch it on our webpage at smcfmc.org, and we appreciate you helping us get the word out. So with that, have a wonderful Christmas. We're going to be in hiatus for probably a few weeks here on the podcast, Uh, so thanks again to Cheryl for coming in. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Jamie. appreciate
1: it. And we will catch you all next time.
0: MC Podcast.